Hello, friends, and welcome to Stories from the Tool Shed. My name's Stephen. And my name's Tim. And we're excited to journey with you through the Spiritual Authority Cohort. Let's get it! Welcome back, everybody, to part B of our episode on priestly prayer from the Spiritual Authority Cohorts. Just to remind you, we've got Keith Ebley with us, we have John A. Rasmussen, and we have Kelsey Phillips. Just having a conversation about what priestly prayer looks like in our context as each of us face it. So we heard from Keith about stories from Dubai in the Middle East and operating as a priest. We heard from John A. in her context in Southern California as a mom, uh, as an active uh, parent, and also as a labor and delivery nurse. And then we also heard from Kelsey in Texas and all of the things from, from big things and historical prayer walking through neighborhoods and then seeing God bless their neighborhood um, through some natural uh, stuff from big, big snowstorms, and then even into just how God is moving in and amongst their school um, as people experience uh, God's healing uh, and as they kind of get unstuck um, and then contending as a priest in that context. So we're back to kind of start a, a Q&A with our guests. And uh, Stephen, why don't you take it away? You know, and I, I want to say this as evangelicals because a lot of, and this is a question maybe for Keith, but a lot of evangelicals, kind of the majority are coming from the evangelical world. And, you know, we hear the priesthood and we think it's this otherworldly thing. But Keith, maybe a question for you is, uh, why have we never heard about this royal priesthood thing? Like we've read it, but why has that not been a practice for us in our identity in Christ? I mean, any thoughts there? Yeah, that's a good question. I do get I do get asked the question, and and you kind of feel a sting when somebody said, "I've been walking with the Lord for fifty years," and I think this is the first time I've actually heard that, and it's very convicting. Uh, mm. I I went a long time in my life before I heard it too, um, and really spent time working on it. I think in some ways it, it it's a reminder that um, as, as much as there is a blessing to being raised in a Christian tradition and uh, having great access to good teaching and, you know, denominations that are working hard to, you know, uh, be the church and the body of Christ, you're still just one generation away from kind of losing the formula. You know, there's there's just... Everybody has to do their part, right? We we all have direct access to God. We all there, God has no grandchildren, you know the phrase, right? He's like, there. Mm. It's you and God, right? And so, um, if if people if this misses, you know, and we don't pursue and we keep coming and pursuing our faith with God, um, you can miss things. Uh, priestly prayer isn't the only thing we miss, by the way. We, we we're cultural captives and things like that too. We have to continually be about. Uh, pursuing the mind of Christ, and I and I think um, it's that posture, that learning posture, that sometimes is lost. Many people, when I talk to you about this, say they would they could talk about their faith and they refer back to the good old days. Usually, that's around college or something like that, where they grew really rapidly and they had a very intensive, you know, injection of learning and excitement and and taking radical mm-hmm. risks and things like that. And then there's like long gaps where life kind of pushed in, and it's not learning like it was in those days. And I think. I think what what behooves us is to say the Lord doesn't ever change that learning posture for us. It's always leaning in. It's always, uh, you know, uh, 
you were following a God who's amazing and incredible and so far his ways are so far above ours that we're continually being re- reformed and transformed. So you have to, to me, yeah. the why doesn't it happen? It's like it's just that uh, this is the age-old thing for the churches. Sometimes it goes through land, times of sleeping, right? It's the Rip Van Winkle problem where all of a sudden the church is alive in some ways, but it's asleep in other ways. And so this is just the nature of things. And um, it's part of the battle. It's part of what we have to continually do. And God always will then blow a fresh wind and start a few sparks here and there, and all of a sudden there's this new movement that people catch up and they wake up to things. If you think how many times in the New Testament and the Old Testament God had to do a new thing to revive his people, to make a correction or to get them back on track, this is a regular part of life. And I think we think that, hey, if we're in this tradition, we're kind of in the mainstream and we're good. Um, mm. And that actually isn't as biblical as it as it. We should feel uncomfortable because it's like the Lord doesn't just say, as long as you're at this church or as long as you've been attending you know, weekly, you're in great shape. No, he says, unless you're being remade by me every day, unless you pick up your cross every day, unless you do this every day, you know, you're not on the path, right? Being a disciple is a, is a everyday start afresh, pursue God and have that learning posture and get out there and experiment and practice. That, that's what he asks us to do all the time. And that, that I think is part of what happens in in the cultures we grow up with, if you're in a church culture, is that kind of hunger and that kind of, uh, you know, so t- so it's today. What's going to happen today kind of attitude is um, is kind of lost over time. Mm. And we have to, it needs to be revived. And I don't say that in any judgment in any way to the churches. I'm part of a church. We're all part of churches. They all need to continually be revived. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's his job. He does it. But our job is to be open to it, be be willing to be changed and transformed and be leaning in. And I think that's what that's what we can do to try to help mm-hmm. on our part. That's really good. Thanks. Thank you, Keith. Um, okay, so our four-part model where we claim our identity, we apply the sacrifice, we bind and we loose, and then we bless. There's a lot of frequently kind of questions that pop up. Um, mostly those that kind of don't necessarily relate really well to the context in which we live. And so I just thought it would be helpful um, to kind of revisit just a couple of those. And maybe John A. will start with you. Um, so let's go binding and loosing. Um, for you, does that question come up a lot? And how do you often, what questions are there and how do you often relate that to people? So they're like, oh, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so for binding, um, uh, I always just, I've, I've, I've changed a lot in how I look at that because in the beginning I had never bound anything in my life. So for me, that was a new concept. <laughs> And, um, so in the beginning, I kind of just trusted that if I bound the enemy in the name of power of Jesus, that that was sufficient enough in that situation. Um, and just tried it. Honestly, it was a lot of trial for me. Just like, okay, I'm going to say these words and actually believe that I have the authority based on God's word to do this. And so there was an element of faith for me in the beginning. Well, it's always faith, obviously, but a huge element where I was like, I am stepping into unknown waters, truly for me. Um, I was raised in a Calvary. I never even heard those words before, honestly. So for me, um, it was very general. Like I would like, kind of read off my script and I would bind the enemy and I knew I could do it in the power name of Jesus because he had given me the authority. And so that is kind of where I left it. And over the years for me, um, it has a it now has a huge degree of listening 
aspect for me in that part. Now I bind very specifically what I hear God tells me is going on in that situation. So if, or, or what I feel or what I sense, you know, I use the word here very lightly, but you know, what do I sense the enemy has ground in that situation? And what do I feel like needs to be bind specifically? So that can be the spirit of division or a spirit of depression or whatever I'm very, whatever I hear, that's when I really open up my ears and I'm like, Lord, what is going on here? What do I feel the enemy has really taken ground? So for me, that's kind of how binding has evolved for me over the last couple of years. But I don't want to discourage all you listeners out there listening that if that is a new concept, start basic and just go for it. And, um, and then let, let the Lord press you in that as you move on and try it. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking of this too. I mean, I think we brought up a lot of context. We brought up a lot of, you know, what happens when we look at Old Testament words and, and verbiage. Um, you know, I think there's something about the word sacrifice that's a part of that. Um, there's something about the blood, right? Like we were even talking about that, like, what does that mean today? And, um, you know, we, we were talking about it before it, it's almost turned into this, um, otherworldly thing, like an old Testament concept or, or something like that. Kelsey, I mean, I know you had some of these questions, right? About the blood or about sacrifice. Like what would be some of your answers to that? How do we wrestle with that today in praying in priestly prayer? And where, where does that fit in today? That's a great question and a, a common one that comes up in the cohorts. And I think the best way that, that my mind um, understands it is, in a lot of ways, a lot of what happens in the Old Testament physically, physical battles, physical things, physical deliverance of Egypt becomes our spiritual story in the New Testament. And so um, what the high priests were physically doing in the Holy of Holies with these animals and sacrifices, with the blood, um, that was all a part of their role. Um, we take that concept as royal priest from what they did physically and apply it spiritually in prayer. And this was also, just like Jonah for me, very new, um, understanding what this royal priesthood role really meant in terms of prayer. So we're just doing in prayer what the high priest did in person. And that helps me then bring that sacrifice piece and the blood piece to my prayers um, in, a, in a little more, in a better context. That's how I like to think of it and that's how I like to explain it. Yeah, that's helpful. Keith, any thoughts on that too? Thanks, Kelsey. Uh, I, I think that um, one of the things is that uh, I like Kelsey's idea that these are very physical things in the Old Testament. And uh, they were all prescribed and they were all laid out as very physical things that then have a spiritual significance. So I think that's great. And now we don't have as many physical things we do in the New Testament. Um, so, but that sacrifice, uh, a priest always lays down a sacrifice um, and he does one that's prescribed. So the fact that Jesus is the sacrifice and that his blood covers all sin. Um, when you're a royal priest, you're like, if you had to choose which sacrifice to use, it's like, I'm going for that one, right? That's the most powerful sacrifice. It covers all sin, past, present, and future. But the question is, like, you're not going to offer the sacrifice. Like, what's, what's missing now is you're not performing the sacrifice because Jesus Christ died once for all. So he doesn't need to mm -hmm. die again. 
and we don't need to do anything, you know, uh, physically in that space. So, but but there's the interesting thing is that one of the one of the most significant things preached in the Old Testament was applying the blood of the sacrifice then to cover the sins of the people. And so it's like that is our role right now. This is something that we this is this is that's the tangible link that I think helps when you when you grab onto that and say, okay, there's a sacrifice. We know that the wages of sin is death, but Jesus paid for that sacrifice. I want to make sure this sin is covered, right? And so we apply the, the blood that Jesus shed that already I mean, the penalty's already been paid. So we just need to make sure that the payment goes to where mm. the debt is and that we can have that debt relieved. And that, that to me, is uh, understanding in those terms, like your matchmaking kind of thing, right? You're taking, you're taking a sacrifice that covers everything, and you're, as the Lord leads you, you're actually following and applying it exactly what he calls you to. Um, then, then I think uh, that is freeing, and uh, it doesn't feel like you're making a sacrifice, because really you aren't, right? You're just applying what the blood that Jesus already has done and and taking the power that that it has over sin and death and applying that in a situation um that's that's amazingly powerful and the fact that the lord invites us to do that is truly incredible mm, that's really good thank you keith um one of the things that Stephen and I love to do is just kind of go through some tips and tricks. And I was just thinking it might even be useful for all of us on the call. And I'm going to go first so you guys can start thinking about um, something you might say. And that way I don't have to think really hard in case I take one of yours right now. Um, but for me, I just think of any time that I feel nervous or anxious about what happens next. Uh, it could be a meeting. It could be a high intensity, you know, thing at work where I have to confront someone about something. It could be a Bible study. There's just something. Anytime I feel something that's just like, ah, I feel a little bit nervous, I pray as a priest. Uh, And just what happens is something, I feel something shift in me. And then I look for what shifted through that prayer. Um, So that's kind of my tip. If if you're in business or kids or have someone coming over or the in-laws or the outlaws, (laughs) whatever it is, it's just like it's praying beforehand and then sitting back and watching what happens. So that's mine. uh, I'm going to pick, oh gosh, I'm going to pick Stephen. Oh man, tips and tricks. I, I think for me, I mean, we were talking about this a minute ago of the big thing is trusting that I can pray in my own voice. And I think that's been a learning thing for me, actually trusting that I I think I get stuck when I'm looking for the right way to do it, the right words to pray. And I want to pray like Keith prayed. I want to pray like Kelsey and John A. prayed. And it actually becomes like me not asking the question, how does how does God want me to pray as Stephen? What does my voice sound like as I'm standing? It says I'm seated in heavenly places, yet I'm on the earth. So what does my voice sound like in the throne room, right? Because I am seated in heavenly places. What, how, what's the unique posture and words that I bring to Jesus? And I think part of that has been me accepting that I'm a priest. Um, I've had to change my identity. I've had to change the way I see myself in Christ. Um, and so I, I would just encourage everyone to trust your voice. Trust the the role, the words, the person that God has called you to be as Stephen, as Tim, fill in the blank. 
whoever that is. Trust the way that he wants to pray through you. It says the spirit groans through us and gives us words to say. So the spirit wants to pray through us. He wants to communicate. And if we'll trust him at his word, he'll use us. Um, Mm. so that would, that would be my encouragement. Um, John, any, any kind of tips and tricks from you? Yeah. My, a couple things came to mind. First one would be, do not take listening out of the equation. That is like a huge tip Mm. for me. I feel like priesthood is all about listening to God along the way and, um, don't get, so I think people get kind of like maybe caught up a little bit in like the verbiage or the, the rules and the steps, but let God take it, you know, just go for it. And, um, and just be listening, listen to what you hear and really, really, really trust that the Holy Spirit is in you and is leading you. Like just go for it. And, um, my second little tip would be really practice it over your house. Like I really, like I, if you can kind of just like think this week through who is coming to your home this week. And I mean, it might be the mailman, whatever it is. I mean, it, maybe no one's coming in and someone's just dropping mail on your front door. I don't know. But just go for it. Like really practice on your home and see my, my prayer is that my home would be a thin place. Like I want it to be, a th- I want people to come into my home and meet God. And so we know we have authority over our house. Like that is the God given authority. So go for it and practice there. If you are scared to do it anywhere else, stand at your front door and just go for it and practice in your home and, and just see what happens this week. Like just wait and see that those would be my little tips for this week. <laughs> That's awesome. That is great. All right, Kelsey, off to you. Uh, yes, yes, and yes to all of that. Uh, a home is a great place to start. <laughs> I think for me, I find myself when I'm in circumstances, little or big, where I think, gosh, what can I do to fix this? What is my, what is my part in this problem, either in my home or with my husband's work or at my kid's school or at my church or when I read the news and I see what's going on? When you feel helpless, I'm like that that at this this particular prayer model activates me to do something and I know that these prayers activate the kingdom. And so th- that's where I find myself using this the most is when I come on crossroads that are tough and hard. Um, and, and another thing that came to mind is there is this element is this really working? Like really? Is this is this doing anything? <laughs> and I <laughs> I just picture that there is the seen and the unseen. And what I can't see, I can't see, but I know that my prayers are making a difference in the unseen world. And that motivates me to keep going, even when I might not see with my own eyes the fruit immediately, Um, because sometimes the fruit is immediate, like on airplanes, and sometimes it's three years later when you have snowmageddon. Love that. Mm. That is so good. Well, one of the things... um, that I just love about this space is just the accessibility of the throne room. And it just really cements that, man, there's just, there's access there that we feel unworthy of. I think in some ways, right? We kind of feel that way And this model kind of just really helps with leading from identity, like who God says we are in what we, he calls us priests. I don't have to call myself that God calls me a priest. Um, and then walking through the steps in this prayer model, and I just love the fact that it is like has unilateral application. Um, there is almost at no point in time where you can't um, 
use this method and, and do it into it. So, um, Keith, I just wanted to ask you real quick too. Is there a tip and trick that you um, that you lead into or have? Yeah, I, th- I think one of the things. Uh, um, one, a couple of them were covered already. So great, great job, everybody. Uh, one of the ones that I have been doing more recently is um, what offends you. You know, what 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 actually offends you, and. Um, you know, the enemy does a lot of stuff to divide and cause irritation and cause uh, disgruntledness and um, complaining. And um, I, I find a lot of times we're kind of swept away. I'm swept away in it, right? I, I see one more politician do something I think is outrageous, and uh, I'm offended by that. And so my question is, uh, if you're being offended, then what do you do next, right? This, this is where priestly prayer comes in for me, right? Because what I would normally do is complain um, or gripe or really basically, you know, condemn. That's, that's pretty much what my default response is. And I think, okay, so this is an opportunity for me too. Since the world is, uh, the enemy is trying to divide the world and continue to divide and be as divisive as possible, uh, being offended actually uh, is part of his manipulation. He's actually trying to get us offended and then react to it. So I'm like, I don't have to do that, right? So I'll make a conscious choice now and say, okay, so that, that looks really bad, or I'm offended by that, or by this uh, mindset or worldview, or one more politician going off and doing something that you know, gets amped up. And I'm like, I, I don't have to deal with that in the, in the way that just react you know, chemically to it. I can actually re- react like a priest and go in, you know, clean up on aisle seven kind of mm. thing. Just go out there and just start praying and cover the sin and uh, bind up the enemy and bring, you know, bring in the kingdom of God and, and continue to act to wipe out division, wipe out disgruntled miscomplaining and condemning. Because it doesn't, it doesn't bring the kingdom of... The kingdom of God doesn't look like one side winning over the other. It looks like God ruling over all. Mm. And um, uh, so to me, it's like catching myself and then also encouraging others to say, hey, if you're being offended, remember, there's a, we're all being manipulated out here by a lot of people who want to manipulate us as part of the enemy. You can full stop on that, and then just bring the bring the kingdom of God through priestly prayer, and it it changes my attitude. Is one thing we talked about earlier, right? This def, it changes more in us sometimes than it does. I probably I think in really the things we're praying for, but you become expectant. You can change, and then all of a sudden you're not under it anymore. Mm. And there's just so much in our day, all around the world. It's like this. It's not just America. Mm. There's just a tremendous amount of trash that's being thrown around that offends people, and um, we don't have to be manipulated by it. We can just be above it. And to me, the priestly prayer takes me right out of the fray. Mm. And um, that's really refreshing for me. I love being out from under all this. And uh, I love the fact that we can undo it, too, and uh, try to wipe out the things that are dividing our land and our people. And um, I love that. Uh, our nation, even. Well, one of the things, and thank you for that, Keith. One of the things that I love about both your and Kelsey's stories, who did the majority of the teaching, was, Keith, your example of sort of... Uh, what is it? It's the job description of a Christian in the lists that are written out in scriptures of the, this is, this is what should follow behind you. Um, and this is what God says about you. And, um, Kelsey, that, that list of verses that you shared, uh, in all of your teaching where, uh, a Royal priest is on there. I mean, it's, it's the back of the business card. These are the things that are, these are the things that are there. And these are the things that we should expect in spaces that we should be in as believers. And so I, I think I love that idea that, man, I signed up for something and I didn't read the fine print. Uh, and this is maybe a little finer print or maybe it feels like a little bit of like the really fine print, but it is so powerful. 
Um, and so as just we move into just kind of how we like to close these things in just a little time of blessing, um, I just want to bless the listeners in Jesus' name uh, with identity, with understanding, with boldness um, to participate in a really, really powerful prayer tool um, where God says that you are part of his royal priesthood. You are part of it. Uh, And so I bless you in Jesus' name to perform and function in that act. Anybody other want to bless? Anybody else want to bless? Oh, Kelsey, do it. Oh, I was just high-fiving you. I was Zoom high-fiving you. Oh, there we go. (laughs) But I do. All right, what else do you want to add? I bless uh, the listeners in Jesus' name with... um, with faith to take big risks, because this kind of prayer model does feel risky, and it's new and uncomfortable at first, but I bless you all to be willing to just try it and take new risk in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to bless you all. I was thinking as we were on this call of Ephesians 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then listen to this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And so as the great high priest, he has made us blameless by his eternal sacrifice that he paid. And so I want to bless you today as royal priests, not based on what you have earned, but what Christ has paid for in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well guys, thank you for uh being on this. We are uh yeah, we're blessed to talk to our teachers um on this topic. We want to encourage you in this month ahead as we go into our um, second to last session, we're going into prayer walking, but as you move into prayer walking, step into your identity as priest. Um, ask the Lord what breaks your heart. Ask the Lord what offends you. Keith brought that up to us today. And, uh, and commune with him as you're in that place of prayer. Hey, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we're excited to see you on our next episode and enjoy this month of experiments. If you have an encouraging story, we would love to hear it. Email us at cohort.stories at novo.org.